Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Run It Back. I am your host, Jasmine Halliburton, and I am joined here today with Anthony Gorgeous. Anthony, I know the theme song for this summer is summertime, but outside right now is feeling everything but. It's cold and it's rainy, and I'm not feeling it for this time of year. Yeah, usually this time of the year I'm out doing yard work, mowing lawns. Today was one of those days where I didn't even get out of the house. It was one of those days where wake up at 8 o'clock and it was just straight, downright pouring all morning. Go outside a little bit later on, think, okay, maybe I'll be productive. No. Come to do the radio show at 5.30, still raining, and you had to throw a jacket on. So nope. it's kind of like welcome to summer because we've been in the mid-50s all week. I mean, I, I'm not a real hot guy when it's like 95 degrees. Don't really enjoy that, but I certainly enjoy something like 75, 80 over this 50 degrees in mid-May. But we did need the rain, so I guess be thankful in some way. That's true. I'm like, I'm cool with the rain. Everything, the vegetation is looking all green. You see the Flint Hills driving in and everything looks all pretty and green. So I'm cool with the rain, but I'm just not cool with it being 54 degrees. And needing to throw on a jacket in the second week of summer. It's like, whoa, this is a... Uncharted territory. Exactly, and I've been working at Cayman, so I have to I have to be up at like the like the butt crack of dawn every like almost every other morning. So I was like, it was like five five thirty in the morning. I left my apartment. Of course, it's dark now. It's dark and cold and rainy. I was like, Ooh, where's the sunshine? Is, this is a test. <laughs> so I had to get my behind up so so early in the morning, but it's okay. Because that means people get to hear my voice in the morning and in the evenings. If y'all don't like it, I'm sorry, but argue with your mama. Now we're going to move on to some more sports stuff. Like, this is this is what y'all are here for. And if you guys listened to the show last night, yesterday on Monday, we ended the show off talking about Nick Saban and his real spicy comments pretty much about the NIL and about Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, and Jackson State. I don't know. The man The man was high-key all over the place. If you guys do not remember, I will play this clip from Saban just this past weekend. Last year, A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. So it's, um, it's tough. It's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen, and it's ridiculous. We build him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I ain't went back and worked for him. With opportunities. Coach back behind Don't the lights. associated with it. I haven't talked to Coach I'm pretty sure he's tried to call. But they, we need to talk publicly, not privately. What you said was public. That is not a private conversation. Let's talk publicly and let everybody hear the conversation. So those voices you heard, the first one was Nick Saban. Second one, head coach Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, followed by primetime coach Deion Sanders. So this whole ordeal that Nick Saban kind of started is like seems like the Real Housewives of the SEC plus primetime. It's all I, – I don't know what Nick Saban was necessarily trying to do, but he had intentions. 
he's kind of backtracking a little bit, saying he's sorry, he didn't mean to say it, but I don't know, if you name drop literally these two schools, you meant to say it. I'm just... I'm at all that he kind of started all of this. And especially since everything that Nick Saban said was just flat out wrong. Like, Texas A&M did not buy all of their players at all. He's just got beat out for the number one recruiting class. They were number two. Texas A&M was number one for the class of 2022. Then he gave those claims to say, hey, they bought every single one of their players. Only one of 11 A&M signings signed an NIL deal. And then flip side over to Jackson State, how Jackson State was able to get the number one recruit in the country, being Travis Hunter, who was a wide receiver and a DB. Saban was claiming to him that, yo, this kid made a million. And then Travis Hunter tweeted, like, what do you mean? Like, I made a mil, but my mama is still living in a three-bedroom house with five kids. Like, what do you mean I have a million? Coach Prime said, I don't even have a million. And so saying Nick Saban was saying this stuff publicly, and that's what Prime said. Be like, yo, he's tried to call me. My my Aflac friend was trying to call me and say, nah, we're going to handle this publicly because that's where it started publicly. So he, But he did – I don't know what he was trying to do still. It's just something with NIL that he specifically doesn't like, and he just so happened to name drop these two institutions and programs. So, Anthony, what is what is more that Saban is trying to say here, even though he did it in a very awful way? So what I think he's trying to say is he doesn't like NIL because he doesn't have the upper advantage anymore. Probably, yeah. So he dove into this a little bit more after the fact that he already called these people out, these schools out, and he basically said, I shouldn't have done it, which we already know that, and then he goes on to describe why he doesn't like NIL. I think if he maybe took that route instead of calling these people out, maybe it wouldn't be this huge nonsense we're seeing, which honestly... I can honestly say I think it's kind of funny. I mean, I watched that press conference with Jimbo Fisher. I'm like, this is hilarious because those two were really good friends. And then Deion Sanders, like you said, they've shot commercials together. They seem to be really good friends. Now it's like, whoa, now these two guys, they got beef. So it's kind of just like, whoa, what just blew up here because he decided to, you know, lay out some some facts that actually were not true. So they're obviously not facts. Yeah. It's like, I understand you're frustrated. You're in front of donors. Definitely could have gone about this a different way. So he came out. He had some more statements after the fact. People were calling for his head and basically saying, I'm 70 years old. I'm not going to hide from this. I don't like NIL. So what he went on to basically say, and I'm going to paraphrase here, is he doesn't want to be in a bidding war against other schools. Right. So he wants the old-fashioned way. Go out and recruit guys. Get them here. And, you know, They'll choose the best school. Well, now we're seeing some of these schools. Let's just take, for instance, a USC. Okay. They obviously have a USC. We'll even use Miami because it's kind of got K-State ties with Nigel Pack here. Yeah. So these two schools haven't been relevant for a while in regards to football. Basketball has been uh, all right the last couple of years. USC and Miami have made a run. But football has just been kind of non-existent. All of a sudden, NIL comes to fruition and... These two rosters are just exploding with incredible talent. NIL deal like crazy. That's what Nick Saban doesn't like because Alabama was flourishing, so why wouldn't recruits want to go there? They're winning. Now, places like USC, yeah, they struggled. They got the right coach in place now. They're going to start shelling out money to get some of these big recruits. Yeah. So Nick Saban, he's just, I would say, not enjoying the fact that he's not getting all these recruits anymore because – 
they're not going to the best school now. They're going where they can make the most money. And how can you blame the student-athlete? Because that's like when it comes, you know, these guys make it to the NFL. A lot of these guys don't know how to spend the money because they never had money. So now you're in college, you're saying, hey, I can get $500,000 to go play here, even if the school is not that great. Sure, I'll go show my talents, and I'll make money. Exactly. And it's what's crazy is, is like how Nick Saban is like, we, we, all, we all know that college athletes have been getting paid on the low, low one way or another. I'm just saying, like, granted, Alabama, they've been, like, what, the best recruiting class, like, for, like, 15 straight years. You know what you're getting when Nick Saban comes to sit in your, on, like, in your living room, on your living room couch, coming to talk to you, saying, hey, I want you to play for me. This is what you can get. You have the chance to be in the NFL. The parents love that he gets the structure and stability and everything like that. And then, of course, yeah, the chance to go to the NFL and also kind of get paid a little bit at Alabama because why? And they're a winning program. So I get there's the attraction there. But let's not forget Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I'm just going to use an example as Tua Tagovailoa. He grabbed him all the way from Miami and his family to move to Alabama. Why would they not do that if some way, in some fashion, that Tua was not being paid when he literally could have gone to any other school in the country? I feel like we we know the NIL that has happened, it's kind of had things that was happening under the table is now on the table. Everything that was kind of like real low-key, I don't want to say shady, but a little bit shady, that's been happening like, yo, this student athlete has a Hellcat. Oh, wait, this entire team got Hellcats. I wonder how that happened if they're not being given a little bit of something. But now the, the, light, the lights have shined and everything is pretty much illegal or is legal and it's become the wild wild west and the wild wild west means competition for Nick Saban that's why he's not really liking it but we all know like this it's been like this for a long long time it's just legal now so I mean after the fact I don't agree with how he went about this calling out those guys who were his friends obviously those friendships probably ruined for the most part but he after all this went down he talked again he should have led with this but instead he didn't he went on to basically say that players, he's okay with players getting money. We know about this deal in Oklahoma now. Yeah. Each scholarship player gets 50000 So he said the goal at Alabama is to set up deals for all scholarship football players to receive somewhere between twenty dollars and $25,000. And he said that way we feel like nobody is getting a bunch of money just to come here and the players feel like they're getting something. He said once they get here, they can earn it. And he said like a Bryce Young, we all know Bryce Young made like a million dollars last year. He said, I'm for them getting what they can when they get here and they earn it. They shouldn't just be given everything. It's basically what he's saying. So I kind of understand what he's saying about, okay, we'll give you 20000 25000 You know, that's a large enough amount for yeah. a college student. And then, hey, if you're a superstar, go and earn it. You know, you're incredible talent like Bryce Young. You're going to find it. He doesn't want somebody coming straight out and saying, hey, here's a million dollars. Come play for me. So I kind of understand that. But but you see, if I'm not mistaken, okay, this past season was Bryce Young's first year, correct? Didn't he get paid almost a million dollars before the season even started? Very well, could have. Because I heard something about like Nick Saban say, "Hey, Bryce, like we got a we got a player over here who made who's made almost a million dollars. Wink, wink. You can make almost a million dollars here playing for Alabama. That was kind of like his settlement thing, and that was before the season started. So I'm like, what? I don't understand where he's coming. Is he is he upset about the whole institution altogether, or is he upset that 
he's no longer having the main advantage. Is it is it both? Two things can be true. I don't really know. So here's my issue with NIL. So the new Texas QB, Quinn Ewers, left high school early yeah. and went and made $1.2 million at Ohio State last year. The guy didn't even, he redshirted, mm-hmm. didn't take a single snap. Nope. Missed his, the last part of his high school experience, gets $1.2 million at Ohio State, and then transfers to Texas where he's getting an incredible amount too. That kind of seems a little bit messed up to me. It's, but like I, I like, but like I said, I, we both agree that we can't blame the student athletes. Oh, definitely for this. not. I'm just saying, you come up to me and you say, hey, I would like to give you $1.3 million. You just have, like, you just gotta, you know, Wear this uni- like wear the uniform, wear the Ohio State uniform, wear the Texas uniform, whatever. Be like, okay, bed. Where, when do you want me to sign the check? I'm I'm not going to hesitate. That's a lot of money for someone who doesn't have that kind of money. So I'm not blaming them. But how the NIL has been kind of formed, if they're, it's just because it's so incredibly wild and kind of unpredictable. Rather, if there was some sort of way to regulate it. Like, I'm not saying, like, have them make less money or do this. It's not my job to figure out the solution. It, it's really not. But to how this can kind of not feel, like like you said yesterday, like free agency. Like, this at this point, it feels like free agency and trades. And I feel like we're getting so close to being there. I, I, can't, I can't really tell how to even fix it because I'm glad these guys and all these athletes, men and women's athletes, I'm glad they're getting paid for something. I really, truly am. And I can't blame them for any of this. But as far as just, I don't even know how to correctly put this into words of how it's complicated, but it's not complicated at the same time about how NIL is doing. It's still very, very new. We got, Some people probably knew that this was going to happen. There hasn't been a set of like, it's kind of like, we're going to let it, everything go and see how it goes before we start setting rules. And I think maybe this might be the start of them going to set some rules because Nick Saban being quote-unquote czar of football finally said something because Dabo Sweeney's been saying something this whole time and no one really cares what Dabo's got to say. <laughs> so here's kind of the problem I would say with this is now you've got people going somewhere, having a decent year, you know, career, I guess you could say, and then they want to transfer at the very end because they're going to go make more money. This leads into a different issue, though, is I was I was following uh, John Rothstein. He's a college basketball reporter Mm -hmm. and basically he was laying out how bad the transfer portal has gotten over the last couple years yeah i would say nil is contributing a major part to that because okay i'll go here i'll play now i'm going to go here we'll take our very own nigel pack for that he he left obviously because bruce weber was the coach that recruited him very high on bruce weber so he you know the change in administration and new coaching staff wasn't all the way sure about it there's no way he was getting $400,000 a year here. So no he leaves. He's one of the rare cases that went to a place where he's going to get, like you called it yesterday, he's going to get a crazy amount of money, and he's going to be a, still the main star on the court. And in Miami. Exactly. M- but Miami. <laughs> you see a lot of these lower-tier guys who are going out and saying, hey, I had a decent year last year. I want to go make some money. They don't end up making the money. Now they're stuck in the portal. So now it's kind of like two problems stuck in one. It, it really is. And I I can't tell you where the future is going with all of this because I, to, to an extent, I agree that the transfer portal has gotten insane to where people are just moving just to move. 
so to speak, and it's never really been like a great reason for the most part. Granted, I'm not speaking for every athlete who decides to enter the transfer portal. I don't know. That's y'all's decision about y'all's decision. But some people who were like transferring like three or four times and has barely ever seen the field or the court all those times they're transferring, I was like, okay, that's a little excessive what you're trying to do. And people were doing that before NIL was really a thing. So now it could still contribute. Maybe it'll have them someone who decides to like or has that type of mindset to transfer three or four times. Maybe that lessens the opportunity to transfer because I don't know how the NIL deal works with transfers. Like um, like the Texas quarterback, Hewan Ewers, how he made a butt ton of money at Ohio State. I don't know where that money went to when he transferred to Texas. I don't know how all that works. Like I said, it's not my job to know and figure out how to fix that, but I'm not really sure about all this. I mean, so I'll be honest, when this whole thing first came out, I think it fully went into effect July 1st of last year. I thought it was going to be kind of like we hear up here in Manhattan. Like, you drive around town, Aoka Lee, you hear her. Mm-hmm. She's cut yeah. some commercials. She's making some NIL money. You had the video of, of Deuce Vaughn and mm-hmm. Felix and your DK Uzama, the two football players. They had a deal where they shot a commercial. They had, you know, Skylar Thompson had a deal with a local car dealership. I thought it was going to be more like that. You know, yeah. you've got, you know, certain players getting dealers deals here or there with dealerships, agencies. I never thought he'd get to $1.2 million for a redshirt freshman. I never thought so either. It's really like, they're talking about like Nike deals. And I know uh, B. John Robinson from the morning, running back from Texas, he signed a deal with Lamborghini. I did see that. And I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that it has to exceed $1 million because... Literally Lamborghini. He's he signed with Lamborghini. That's money on top of money. I feel like that's even money even when he goes to the NFL, and that's extra money. Like I said, I'm not mad at the kid. I would do the exact same thing. But it's – I don't know what to add this but to because it's so it's, – it's crazy. I understand it to an extent and how it can affect recruiting and everything – and how that goes, but it also has that ability to, like, like we were just talking about it. Even the play, it evens the playing field to where these guys, like, hey, I can, I have the opportunity to not have to, you know, fly all the way from Hawaii to play in Alabama to have the opportunity to get to the NFL. I also can make this money, say, right here in California, or even stay in Hawaii, at the University of Hawaii, and still make a butt ton of money, stay close to home, still get seen, still get paid, and honestly. With, stu- with student athletes getting paid more, maybe they can even stay in school more and not have to like have that pressure to say, "Hey, I need to I need to leave school early to get to the to get to the pro leagues so I can make some more money for my family." It's so there's a lot of pros and cons to me. There there really is. It's some things are absolutely outlandish, and a lot of things I completely understand. And you, I mean, you were totally right on it. You said you can't blame the student athletes for this because we're in the same situation. If somebody comes here yes. and says, "Hey, I'll offer you 1.2 million dollars." To come here and do what I'm doing right now, okay, I'm gone. It's you cannot blame them. It falls on you know the main officials who laid this out. They should have had a better plan because, like I said yesterday, this is just total like NFL NBA free agency. Yeah, like, absolutely. All right, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm gone. I'm interested to see what the NCAA does. Even though it's it's so crazy that for years and decades the NCAA they're like sticklers. 
There's like, you can't do this. You can't even buy it. You can't even buy a kid. You're trying to recruit a sandwich or it's going to be violations. You're going to get suspended. You're going to get fired. It was, it was always like that. There was like, everyone was looking under a microscope and only the best of the best was able to do what they do without the NCAA noticing or at least or caring or caring. Okay. (laughs) Cough, cough. Kansas but that's besides the point and other things like I said we all know players have been getting paid a little at least a little bit of money a little something something underneath the table for a long time and so but now the NCAA is like all right everybody go play go have fun don't don't bug me for right now but until it gets to a point to be like okay y'all kind of bugging a little bit now we have to do something but I do not know when that's going to be are they going to try to restrict some restrict the transfer portal again to where you have to wait a year are they going to like set some type of regulations for nil don't know what that could be i don't know if they're only going to limit to six figures i i don't know but like i said it's not my job to figure that out that's gonna be the funniest thing too is when they try to come out and set these barriers to say okay this each player can only make let's just say you said hundred thousand dollars there ain't no way that you're gonna go from playing these players millions of dollars you know all across the country to now Hundred thousand max you can hey, get. It's, it's, it could still be six figures. It could be between a hundred thousand or nine hundred thousand. That's that's still fine. That's still that's still a lot of money, and I don't think that's going absolutely insane. Like giving a kid who's never touched the field one point six million dollars. You know what I mean? And then I don't know wasting that money if they decide to transfer. Like I said, I have yeah. no idea how that works. But there's there's some regulations. I feel like it could still benefit everybody if there's just some sort of rule. I know I, I feel like I, I I feel like I sound like a hall monitor. Be like, we need rules. I'm not saying there just needs to be something. I don't know how how much better I can put it. Is that there just needs to be something so we we don't have these problems. But I feel like it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Because now this is just extensively being talked about because Nick Saban said something. Now, Yeah, exactly. Now did Nick Saban spark something where we're going to see more coaches? Well, they paid them this amount of money. You know, we can't afford that. Or if they hadn't done this, it's just going to be one of those he said, she said type of deals, I feel like. Pretty and, much. I mean, it, it's kind of funny because even though all this is going on, we still know Alabama is going to be the top tier of program in college football. For sure. So it's, yeah, you didn't get the number one recruiting class this year. It's already a given. Most likely, you're going to be in the college football playoffs. Calm down. Yeah, like, oh, no, you were the number two, you know, ranked class in the entire country. Oh, no, the team who just played in a national championship game. Whatever will you do? Look here. That's why a lot of people aren't, like, when it comes to Nick Saban saying something and then Jimbo Fisher, I was telling you this off air, they're, like, both kind of like that. Uh, Spider-Man meme where they're both pointing at each other saying he's buying his players no he's buying his players when both of y'all have probably bought some players quote unquote I say bought very lightly because you know these are people and they have a choice but whatever you know what I mean be like hey I'm accusing you of doing something illegal no I'm accusing you of doing something illegal and it's, and then all of a sudden Prime is like what why am I even here <laughs> so that's just what this whole situation looked like to me and how this NIL deal and like I said now the housewives of the SEC so this upcoming season is going to be very very interesting so that was the end of that segment I know that took a lot because but it was well worth it oh to it talk was about I mean all of that we could literally go on with this about for days it lit- it, we literally could I, I will just say this to end our conversation on this for the day I'm glad Deion Sanders said what he did me too because he basically said okay you're gonna call me out publicly fine Let's talk about this publicly. Don't 
call me and privately to apologize and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, didn't mean to throw you under the bus. No, you did it. All right, let's settle this in public. Well, if you got to say something, say it so the whole world can hear it because you already tried to shame me once. Exactly. Like, Prime, what was he, why was he even brought into this conversation? The kid who committed to Jackson State, I mean, he, he wasn't flipped, even going to go to he, Alabama. Yeah, he flipped, he flipped from Florida State. I don't like why. I mean, granted, he might have been in the mix, Alabama was, but he wasn't in the top two, apparently. So I don't know why he was even in all that. But anywho, that was the end of the NIL conversation. After this quick break, we are going to talk about the Western Conference Finals and the sadness that is my Dallas Mavericks. Paying for cable these days just isn't really worth it. But how are you going to watch the Royals? Well, Tanner's Bar and Grill has got you covered. Located at 1200 Morrow in Aggieville, Tanner's 22 different screens will have the Royals no matter where you look. While you're there, you can grab a fresh Booga or maybe even one of the 16 different ice-cold beers Tanner's has on tap. Or there are over 40 different craft beers and seasonal drinks. You can also enjoy the great summer weather at the Tanner's patio. If you can't be at the K, Tanner's is the place to be. And we are back to run it back here on Wildcat 91.9. And, of course, y'all all know, because I know y'all are all sports fans and basketball fans and all that fun stuff, then the NBA playoffs are going on. The Western Conference Finals continues tonight with Game 4 between the Dallas Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors. And it's uh, Golden State is looking for the sweep tonight. And honestly, I feel like I've accepted it. If that was the case to happen, I, I've accepted my fate. I've accepted the fate of the Mavericks that they're going to get swept. I know it's it's literally the second worst thing to get swept in the conference final. The worst thing is to get swept in the finals. Uh, but they worked hard to get to where they are. And I respect that. Probably going to be another like 40-point game for Luka. And another 40-point game Luka for another loss. So he'll be 2-9 and nine in the playoffs of him scoring 40 points. But who knows? He could so, score 30. I'll tell you this, but everybody always told me when I get sad when the Chiefs lose in the playoffs. Don't worry, he's still young. That's true. So that that's it's never comforting to hear that. Like when the Chiefs lost to the Bengals this last year, I always heard, "Don't worry, Patrick Mahomes is still young." So I'll tell you, don't worry, Luka Doncic, he's still pretty young. I. It just it I doesn't understand. ease the it doesn't ease the pain though. I. It doesn't ease the frustration either of knowing you got a superstar talent, and you should be able to win. You're just not. I mean, we have a, we do have a superstar talent, but the problem is he's the only superstar talent. The rest of everybody, which who who I love, by the way, in some you know form and fashion, the levels of love may be different than the others. But him, him getting this far with this roster is very very excellent. I'm just saying, like I don't know if any of these other guys would be able to start in any of the other playoff teams that are currently still participating. But there's still there was a lot there's a lot to be proud of. Because this, like I said yesterday, this is the least talented roster since the start of the second round of the NBA playoffs. They have a lot of things going on. And I granted, if we were to play the Warriors sooner in the playoffs, I actually do think we would have a better chance of winning. Because at this point in time, like I'm saying with this roster, one, it's very limited. There is no depth. Literally, of like the top, see, the top five players in minutes so far this playoff series three of them are on the Dallas Mavericks and that's that's uh Reggie Bullock Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson three starters they have tallied like 
top five of the most minutes played. Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock are one and two for the amount of minutes played. And their task of guarding Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole all after having to guard Devin Booker and CP3 for seven games prior and all of that. And they're playing a lot of games, and there's no depth. I understand this. I just hope Mark Cuban, you know, doesn't be like Jerry Jones and not spend any money trying to get his team to be better after they had a great run or things like that. So here's my hope is we just get a better game than we got last night because I I look forward to sit down and watching tonight for the most part. I just hope I don't turn it on to what I turned it on to last night when the score was 18 to 1. You see, that's what the problem has been with this playoff so far. There is like it's all been blowouts. Like the average win margin has been I think what 19.7 points so far in this playoff and there's only been 7 total minutes of clutch time. That's that's little that's been it the entire playoffs since round 1 all the way to the conference finals. It's it's been anticlimactic, so to speak. Granted, I did hear read something that this is the highest viewed uh, playoffs since the bubble, and I guess that makes sense because the bubble, there, the finals then, and the conference championships then, it was like the middle of October, so it was a weird time, and people are just you know watching it then. So that that's and that's what it's compared to. And I'm like, yo, these playoff series suck. There's no zest. There's, there was spice for a little bit, but it was spice and some blowouts. And it's it's been fairly disappointing. I'll just say this, that I think probably the best series that we had collectively, the, the Celtics and the Bucks had a couple of good games. I would say the Grizzlies and the T-Bulls was a fun series to watch. That it was. It was. Then that's – and everything else just died after it. Everything's blowouts, 50-point wins, 30-point wins. You know, 25 point wins. Gosh, you're lucky to get a game that was within single digits, and that single digit is nine. And it's probably seen that it, twice. This yeah, series. and it would have been it would have been 13 if it wasn't for like some garbage time buckets or something like that. That I hope I hope we get something better tonight. I don't know if I don't even know if I'll even be watching tonight's game because I don't know if my heart can take it. But for at least for like Miami. And, and the, the Celtics, if they can give us something, because that's been back-and-forth blowout so far. The Western Conference Finals have been blowout so far, despite with, you know, the Warriors came back from, like, a 19-point deficit, and it got close for a second, but at that point you already knew. It was like, this game is not going to end closely because they're getting dusted up in this third and fourth quarter. But it's been it's been so disappointing. But I hope that is not the case for both of these conference finals and tonight's game cuz there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in both of these conference finals. There's a lot of talent in the Western Conference final. Of course, you have Luka Doncic, you obviously got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and then Andrew Wiggins and Kevon freaking Looney doing some extraordinary things in this in this conference finals. So who do you dislike more? Kevon Looney or Draymond, uh, Draymond Green? The crazy. I, I, I'm a Warriors fan. I like I like the Warriors. I love their offense. Everything about it, it just mesmerized me. I was like, oh, my goodness, ball movement. I, I love ball movement, and they're the only team that consistently does it and at the pace that they do. It's just different when it comes to this series because it's literally like Mavericks, Warriors, number two. That's where I'm in because I, I don't dislike Draymond. I don't dislike Kevon Looney, but in this particular series, I hate them. <laughs> 
and they are earning that hate because we are getting busted up and almost on the verge of getting swept. If we don't get swept, that's great. We kind of saved face a little bit, but at the end of the day, I do not see the Mavs, you know, creating history and coming back from 3-0. There's no way they can win four straight games against this Warriors team. No way. It would be very exciting to see. Oh, it'd be awesome. But man, no one would be able to tell me anything if that has ever happened. I'm going to, I'm like showing my behind. I'm going to get on everybody's nerves if that happens. But I can say that because I know it's not going to happen. I think it probably all ends tonight. I mean, I won't be shocked if the Mavs pull one away at home. I mean, they're one and a half point favorite, which kind of shocks me the way the Warriors have played recently. But if they win one. Do they give you false hope thinking, okay, well, we took one at home. You see, I don't know because we easily could be could be up 2-1 in this series. We easily could have. If it wasn't, of course, if game one got blown out, like I said, the probabilities of a team getting like losing game one after just playing a game seven, that's, the probability is high. Okay, they came back. They led for the majority of the game during game two, and they blew a lead. Same thing happened with game three. I think they were up like 13, 14 points at the half, and then the Warriors had their you know ever-so-famous third quarter that they always do. Their best offensive production always comes in the third quarter. That's what happened, and surprise, surprise, we ended up losing. There's, that's two, there's two opportunities where the Mavs could have won, but I just think they just don't have the legs underneath them anymore. Like, they're like the players that you, like, are trying to – like, the players who are responsible to, like, have that extra oomph, you know what I mean, where everything is not on Luka Doncic and Jalen Brunson is doing a little something, Spencer Dinwiddie is doing a little something, Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith, they're the guys who are supposed to get those open threes or those, you know, slightly contested threes that Luka dishes out behind his head and stuff like that. They don't have they don't have that energy to do that. That's why Reggie Bullock was 0 for 10. And then that's why uh, Dorian Finney-Smith only scored nine points. And that's why Maxi Kleba, he was 0 for 5. They just, they just don't have the legs underneath them anymore because there's no depth. And they're just, they're just tired. It's just there's a lot that can be fixed in the offseason. Just, I just want it to get over with. I really You do. might catch a break, though. Charles Barkley might not pick the Mavs to win, and you guys might take one at home tonight. Look here. He's going to be consistent. Okay, I already know. I if hope he, he rides he on a horse again. If he if he rode it on a horse again, at this point it's just it's just clowning because everyone everyone is already talking like we already got swept, low key. Everyone in the media is talking about like we already got swept. I feel low key that uh, Jason Kidd is talking about like how how he was talking in the press conference. He said, you know, got to be proud to where we are. Everyone here has never played this far in their NBA career whatsoever. I mean, you look at the Warriors, they. Like they're in their sixth conference final in the past, like what seven or eight years. Okay, every everyone has not been in this situation before, but we're young. We have a lot to learn. We're using this series as a learning experience. That's the words of Jason Kidd. I paraphrase a little bit, but that's that's what he said. So like that sounds like you're prepared to lose tonight. So he's not throwing in the towel, but he's just saying, "Look, proud of what we've done. Pretty Let's much. Let's take it and move on to next year." Pretty much. I just like, can we just not get swept? Can we just? That's that's embarrassing. Getting, like getting swept in the in a conference final is embarrassing. It's literally the second tier to being swept in the finals. Well, I mean, I s- seriously thought the Suns would beat you guys when they were up two zero. So I did too. Nah, actually, crazy, no, I didn't. I was, I was, I was. Crazy things have happened. I just not sure Luca can be superhero all by himself. He can't. He and he honestly he hasn't. Like I said, Spencer, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie scored twenty six points. Jalen Brunson scored twenty. 
honest, if that, if any of that was to to come about the past two years in round one against the Clippers, who knows? That actually could have done something because those two years in the first round against the LA Clippers, it was literally Luka and Luka only. Nobody else. He was consistently dropping 35-point-plus triple doubles, and that's what he averaged in both of those series against the LA Clippers. But everybody else's average wasn't even it wasn't even touching double double digits has he been with you guys for three years for three, four years he's been with a this is his uh this is his fourth year yeah and so he's taken us to the playoffs three out of the four years he did not take us to the playoffs his rookie year that's pretty much how it was and he hasn't had any help but like i said if mark cuban wants to win i think that he does he's going to do something that no Dallas franchise owner has done in a very long time, and that is spend the money to make your team better. That's that's what I'll or say. He, or they give too much money to one person. You see, they've already... Nah, but because that too much money at this point is Luka Doncic, he deserves every bit of it. Well, you just said Dallas in general, so I was talking about Zeke. Uh, you see, nah, because <laughs> still other people have paid a butt-ton of money. Look, I'm sorry, look at the L.A. Rams. All that money... All that money that they spent, and look where it got them. Wow, a Super Bowl. And what are they still doing? Adding more. Adding the pieces that they slightly lost and getting some more really good players to try to keep that keep that pushing. All these other teams, even the teams in our own in, in our own division, like the Philadelphia Eagles, who I hate, and them getting A.J. Brown and him giving them a butt ton of money. Like, wow, they did something in free agency to make their team better. Jeez, what does that look like? I'm sorry. I'm, this so, is so off topic. But, but here's This is where I, I like where you went with this. This is what I want to add, though. The thing about that I have despised about the Cowboys, and look, I don't pay that much attention to the NBA. I'm watching the playoffs, but kind of seems like the same things with the Mavericks and the Cowboys. Yeah. The owner GM is involved too much. That is something that drives me crazy about the Cowboys is you don't hear from any other G you don't hear from any other owner in the NFL besides Jerry Jones. So and right. I feel like Mark Cuban is starting to come into that too where you're starting to hear from him more and more and it's But you see, I don't the difference is like cuz I like Mark Cuban. I don't like Jerry Jones. Okay, I, I've had this whole conspiracy theory about Jerry Jones and why he's literally the downfall of the Dallas Cowboys and why they have not won a Super Bowl in like 26 years. This man will not leave this earth until they win another Super Bowl, and that's why he's doing everything he can to sabotage that and to keep that from happening. That's what I think it is. There's a whole thing with Jerry Jones, and it's just uh, he's too much. He's He's either like too much involved, but too much involved for the wrong reasons. It's money, and I understand that. There's a reason why the Cowboys are the most, like the highly, the, what is what is the words I'm trying to say? The richest franchise, pretty much in the world, or at least top three or four richest French sporting franchises in the entire world. And Jerry Jones is is definitely a part of that. But sometimes you're like, yo, you're spending a little bit too much on like on the brand and not enough on trying to win you football games. And things like that. And Mark, and Mark Cuban, same thing. Because for a long time, while he had, like, after that championship run in 2011 for the Mavs, and he had Dirk Davinsky, they, they've have, they haven't gotten close. This is the closest this team has been since 2011. And Mark Cuban has not really been wanting to spend a lot of money to get that consistent talent in. Like I said, it's been like no one wanted to buy a, jer- a Dallas Mavericks jersey for any other player other than Dirk because the rest of the players on that roster, they're not going to be there for more than one or two seasons. It was literally a revolving door of players, and they just was just sucked all the time. They literally sucked all the time. 
and it was so frustrating. But now I hope to be like, hey, you lucked into getting Luka. You were able to go straight from Dirk Nowitzki to Luka Doncic. How many people can say that? Okay, not many people. And obviously, look where you are three, four years later. So please, if you want to win, if you want to bring in more money, if you still want to be that super cool, you know, hands-on owner, spend some money to make this team where they can get to. They can already, already got to this point with having a really poopy roster. You can get them over the top even in a Western Conference that's going to get even tougher because everyone's going to get healthier. Ugh, see, I don't even know. I See, we, I started this segment to go a different direction and even talk about the Warriors more than I did the Mavs, but... I spent. I feel like I spent like a good fifteen minutes on ranting a little bit, and that wasn't even my goal. Hey, it happens, and that's the beauty of sports radio is you just get into one thing and it just leads you. We went from, we went from, the Mavericks not really paying anybody to your hate of Jerry Jones to your hate of the Eagles. Yeah. And now back to the Mavericks. That's pretty much how my brain works all <laughs> the time. It's very incon. At least, at least me talking right now, it's still sports related. Anywhere outside of non-sports related, I'm going through like 20 different things in the matter of seconds in my head. So that's a little taste of how my brain works, everybody. So we're just, we're gonna try to keep this push. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it professional. You know what I'm saying? So we're briefly going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals. We talked about it a little bit. How uh, Eastern Conference Finals with the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. How literally every every game has been a blowout, but it's been a winner every other time. And it's been, it's been uh, like I said, a fairly disappointing outing pretty much this entire playoff series. But the Celtics were able to even up the series 2-2 two to two after their blowout win, 102-82 to 82, against Miami. And Miami started out absolute cheeks. They missed 15 of their first 16 shots. At one point, it was like 1-18 one, like one and then 4-26. to 26. They were just getting, they were getting busted up. From literally jump ball. Yeah. I mean, so I, I didn't realize the game started at 730. I thought it was starting at 8 o'clock like, you know, the Western Conference was. Yeah. So I was running a few errands, and I got back home, and I turned it on. And it was 26 to 4. Instantly, I was like, okay, I'm done. Try. This is just something that, that just is mind-blowing, though. The Miami Heat starting five only scored a total of 18 points. I mean, holy cow. And that's with... Jimmy Butler playing more than 30 minutes. Yeah. We talked about it. Maybe if you get 15 to 20, you're lucky. The leading scorer last night was Victor Oladipo, and we talked about how he needed to step up if they wanted to win. He was the only he one who stepped, stepped up. up. <laughs> Nobody else decided to show up, though, because holy cow. I mean, the Heat were lost without Tyler Hero. But my gosh, 18 total points from your five starters. You can't blame what that on Tyler Hero not world being there. What going on? It, it's and Jason Tatum, you know, played really well last night if you didn't know what you were going to get after the shoulder injury. Yeah. And there was no Marcus Smart. It was just like one of those things where you thought, this could actually be close for the first time in the series. God. And then within 30 seconds of the game, yeah, this one's over. It's so, and Jason Tatum, he played exceptionally well after having a crap game, which that seems to be the theme for Jason Tatum. He has one really good game, followed by a bad game, then a good game, then maybe another good game, and then follow that up again with a bad game. I don't know. It's, it's, that's his thing has been consistently sure, but this was one of those games where he bounced back after having a really bad game three, where they, where the Celtics in turn got blown out, and then this time it's Miami. I don't know what we're going to get when, uh, when do they play again? What? Wednesday, when Wednesday comes around, I don't know what they're going to get, 
but I know that Miami Heat starters, they're not going to score a combined 18 points. That's a monom- that's that's an anomaly. No one in the history of playoff starters have scored that little points ever. So here, this is where it gets interesting, though. Is Tyler Hero is probably going to come back tomorrow night, most likely. What about Marcus Smart, though? You see, Marcus Smart, I haven't heard anything about it because I was watching a lot of sports talk stuff like I always do before the shows. Uh, they haven't. There's nothing has been said, at least publicly, about Marcus Smart. Uh, as far as Tyler Hero, they are they're wanting to to say like keep him from himself because he has a growing injury, and of course this is the Eastern Conference Final. He's going to want to play, but like I said yesterday, a growing injury is so tricky. Like it could be okay, but it could also get so much worse as time goes on. And considering that these games are literally every other day, they don't have they don't have a good rest period. And 48 hours, I don't think is a great rest period, even though it's a minor growing issue. It depends the desperation at this point, because if it's going to keep going back and forth like this, then Miami has the advantage, but you can never rely on that. But until it gets to desperation time, then I can see him coming back. But Victor Oladipo, he stepped up coming off the bench. He had 23 points being like the seventh option in this Miami Heat rotation. And Victor Oladipo, I said this yesterday, he's capable of giving you 30 points. He really is because he was that dude before he got hurt. When was that, like, what, 2019, where he had a series of injuries following after that? He is more than capable of taking over that role of being a scorer, and especially on the defensive end because he absolutely, like, I don't say he locked up Jalen Brown because he did have 41 total points in Game 3, but he forced, like, six turnovers. Victor Oladipo's presence has been felt literally on both ends of the court, maybe not on the same night, so to speak, but if Tyler Hero can't go, I do not think it's the end of the world for Miami because of Victor Oladipo and how he's been able to step up. It's so ironic, though, because yesterday we were talking about the Mavericks, and I said if the Mavericks want to find a way to get themselves back into the series, they got to rely on more than just three guys to score double digits. Right. Well, that's what Miami decided to do last night. They had three guys score double digits. Then they got Adebayo adding nine. Jimmy Butler added six. That's basically it. That's I mean, trash. It is incredible. And that, that's what I was telling you. Uh, for the Mavericks, I mean, you know you're going to get like 35 to 40 with Luka every night. Yeah. Usually that's what you get out of Jimmy Butler. He just forgot to show up. I know he's dealing he, with yeah. the knee injury, but when you play 27 minutes and you get uh, three even, of he 14. He didn't even play the entire fourth quarter, I don't think. Well, shoot, when you're down that much, you might as There's well no just let to. him rest a little bit more. Yeah, I do, I do not expect this again from Jimmy Butler or Bam. The entire starting five to only score 18 points. That, Like I said, that's an anomaly. I don't think that's going to happen again. Now, could it happen again for the Celtics this next game? Possibly, because that's, that's the pattern that we're seeing with this series so far. But that's all we're going to talk about this, because we do want to get into a little bit of football, and we will get to that shortly after this quick break. Midwest Dream Car Collection is proud to showcase a stunning collection of over 60 cars ranging from classics as early as 1907 to modern-day supercars. Their diverse collection has something for everyone, including custom cars, exotic cars, and classic cars. Exhibits are routinely rotated, so you'll always see something new. Explore their self-serve beer and wine wall and enjoy a drink as you view the exhibits. Open to the public every Thursday through Sunday, located next door to Powercat Sports Grill at 3007 Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. For more information, visit them online at MidwestDreamCarCollection.org. And we are back, and we wanted to get into a little bit of NFL. And honestly, Anthony, I have to ask you some questions here, and this is something I wanted to start 
new on Run It Back because it is summer. Sometimes there's not a lot of things to talk about during the summer, especially when basketball ends. So we're going to talk about a little NFL things, and we're going to play something called Under Pressure. Okay, so I'm going to ask you these two things right here. Who's going to be the most under pressure this upcoming season? Is it going to be Kyler Murray or Cliff Kingsbury? Definitely well question in general. Like he was well thought because this is you could go either way with this and you have a valid point either way. I'm probably gonna have to say Kyler Murray. I mean I know a lot of people want to throw some shade at Cliff Kingsbury. I didn't have the highest expectation for him as an NFL head coach. But Kyler Murray he wanted all these pieces last year. He got A.J. Green. I believe A.J. Green stayed there. Yeah. They got DeAndre Hopkins. Suspended for the first six games of the season, by the way, if y'all didn't know that. But, yeah, continue. Now they got Hollywood Brown, who he was really good friends, teammates with or whatever at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You got Zach Ertz. That is true. And you, you kind of just forget to show up in the playoffs in the regular season. It's I think he's got all the talent in the world. But I think there should be more pressure on him. I know that defense is not that good. No, not the best. But I think with another year, J.J. Watt being there, they'll be better. Buda Baker's back. I just feel like Kyler Murray has got to be better. And he's still trying to get paid. He did not show up to OTAs. There was that drama a couple months back that he deleted everything Cardinals-related on his Instagram He's trying to get paid. If he does get that money, then absolutely I'm going to 100% agree with you that he has the most pressure. But still, I've won. I've never been a fan of Cliff Kingsbury being hired at Arizona because he wasn't even that good at Texas Tech and why he was like that. I, I don't trust him. They've been The Arizona Cardinals have had this theme to where they're really good the first half of the season, but the final like five to six games, they just kind of forget who they are. I don't know if that's if that could still be Kyler Murray. Sometimes he gets a little bit injured at that time of the year because he runs so much and he doesn't want to run in that much anymore because he's a small QB. He doesn't have time to be getting hit like that. And then Cliff Kingsbury, I don't know if he's not making the right adjustments late into the year to where people just figure them out a lot more and he's not really doing anything about it. I'm not 100% sure. So I'm still, I'm pulling a little, I'm like, I'm saying 51% Cliff Kingsbury. The other 49, I'm giving to Kyler. until he Unless he gets like a huge contract, this offseason, then I will 100% agree it's going to be Kyler Murray. But until that, I'm getting 51% is going to be Cliff Kingsbury for me. I just never had the highest expectations for Cliff Kingsbury, I guess. I thought Kyler Murray would be great. I mean, like you said, Cliff was not that great at yeah. Texas Tech. I mean, That's he had he Patrick should, he should Mahomes down there, and they, they, they were not very good. Nope. So it's like when he, get the, when he got the job, it was kind of like, well, this is definitely a head-scratcher. Then he gets Kyler Murray, and you're like, well, there's a shot this could work. And it works, like you said, for the first 10, 11 weeks. And then look out. You know, something behind the scenes goes south and they just kind of forget who they are. And, well, they either barely miss the playoffs or get smacked in the first round. Exactly. Like they did against the L.A. Rams. Where they, I think they lost by, what, like 27 points or something like that? I don't know. Now moving on to the next question of who's under the most pressure is it now newly acquired for the Washington Commanders, Carson Wentz, or is it going to be the Washington front office who is under the most pressure this off or this upcoming season? This is another tricky one. I mean, I really could make a case for both sides. 
I just feel like Washington's front offense is just an absolute disaster. I mean, is Daniel Snyder going to end up selling the team? Is he going to be forced to? When is the investigation going to fully be done? I mean, Washington as a whole is just a disaster. And I hate to say that because no, you're right. I always liked Ron Rivera. Yeah. And I just feel like it's just a train wreck over there. They've it's got talent. It was a train wreck before he got there, too. They've got talent. It's just like the front office can't get out of the way from all the stuff that's happened with Snyder to some of their other employees. It's like, holy cow, you guys just keep tripping yourselves. You can't even make it to the door. Absolutely. I, I have to agree because everything about the Washington Commanders is just a dumpster fire. All the way from the name, all the way to the cases that they have, pending cases, whatever type of creep that Snyder is and all those allegations that he has against him, it's rough. And with Carson Wentz now being a part back in, in the NFC East, the expectations still aren't great. I mean, they're there, but they're not great considering that he was pretty much shoved out of Philly and he was shoved out of Indianapolis after one season with them, and that was very disappointing. So granted, they are getting, they're getting an upgrade uh, from Taylor Heineke to Carson Wentz in my mind, but he can only do so much what you're expecting. But as far as the Washington front office, and they're literally always in the news for some dumb stuff, either whether it's, you know, uh, a busted pipe in their stadium and everyone's getting, like, toilet water sprayed on them, or the Philadelphia fans are leaning over a rail and it's breaking. It's just a, it's just a complete mess all around. So if anything goes wrong with the Washington football team this year, I don't think it was going to be Carson Wentz's fault. And that's the thing with Carson Wentz, too, is, I mean, he had that Indianapolis team in the playoffs until the last week. I mean, All granted, he had to do was win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they got smoked. Like, that was ridiculous. I, they had Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he had some weapons out. I mean, not the greatest weapons, but, but they, were they had all right. Defense, pretty good. Now he goes to a team where, I mean, you're not terrible. Right. Terry McLaurin's there. You draft Jahan Dotson in the first round. And then you have uh, the tight end, uh, Logan Thomas, mm-hmm. who's proven to be pretty good. He has weapons. Who there, knows? The defense has got a chance to be decent. Ron Rivera is always kind of a defensive coach. I just don't know how much trust you can put into him. He, if Carson Wentz can just use his role as a facilitator, you do not expect him to be a 27 Carson Wentz. You expect that you're going to be disappointed. At this point, Carson Wentz just needs to be a facilitator. If he, he can do that, just try to avoid moments to where the ball is in his hands and there's no other option. Because those big moments, those that's when he makes his worst decisions. Yep, when, he, when he's got stress on him, that, look out. Exactly, and other I mean, teams we, know that. What was the, Who were they playing a couple weeks before the regular played, season they ended? They played Tennessee. Where and he, he's, yeah, he's in his own end zone. Yeah. He doesn't do it once, but he does it twice. It's like, he did what that two is weeks going in a row. on? He did that two weeks in a row to where he didn't want to throw the ball away unless it was too late. And back in his own end zone, I think inside the 10 or the 5, he threw it at the defense, and it was a pick six. That was that happened two weeks in a row, if I'm not mistaken. I'm like, oh, my God. It's How like, does something like that happen two weeks in a row? It's like, I mean, as a quarterback, you got to have awareness, you know, of – you know, where the pocket is, throw the ball away, where the line of scrimmage is. So you don't get intentional grounding. But, holy cow, they're just straight up. An intentional grounding a, would have been better than a pick spinning six. around and throwing it. It's two weeks in a row, two times. He does not do well under pressure. And that's – It was all big I think moments. he'll be fine in the NFC East. No offense to you and the Cowboys, but that's the fair. NFC East is not very good. It's not. <laughs> I just don't think you can expect him to be a superstar QB because he's never been that. He had one half a good season. That was about it. 
that was in, and everyone has been expecting that ever since, but that's not what you're going to get from him. But goodness gracious, it's already 6.59. I say this all the time, but time flies when you are having fun. That has been the end of our show. Anthony, where, what is your social media so our listeners can follow you? Twitter handle is at Anthony or at George's Anthony. Very at, basic, but that's about it. That's Don't have very, very big Twitter following, so let's grow it. All right, everyone, please follow Anthony, and please tune back in tomorrow night for more Run It Back here on Wildcat 91.9.